0: Hello and welcome back to the Cookie Jar Golf Podcast. I'm your host today Sam Williams and today I'm joined by Cal Wing Hello. and Tom Mills. Guys don't forget you can get in touch with us on at Cookie Jar Golf and that's on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. We love hearing from all of our listeners so uh, don't forget to get in touch and don't forget to hit subscribe. We were speaking to uh, some of the guys from Mackenzie Golf Bags recently, and the story was really interesting. And we wanted to shoot just a short pod just to kind of share some of their stories. Uh, Nick, the president Mackenzie Golf Bags, been involved with the company for some time, but you've got to go right back 35 years to the uh, inception of Mackenzie. And there's a really cool story, and I won't spoil the surprise in here uh, around around the story and the growth and, and the kind of evolution of that company. Mackenzie, for those that aren't aware, offer some seriously cool golf bags and stash. They are purveyors of very cool bespoke golf equipment. It's something that's highly artisanal, uh, and and I think offering something really unique and, and and fresh in a very very crowded marketplace. It was also really cool to kind of get Nick's take on the emergence of some of the new cool golf brands that are out there, and and how that how that kind of whole attitude towards traditional kind of bags and apparel is changing and how lifestyle brands are kind of featuring more and more in golf. So uh, without further ado, we'll jump over to the pod. Hope you enjoy. Nick, thanks for coming on the pod. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on.
0: That's well, a pleasure. It's a pleasure. How are you how are you coping through lockdown at the moment?
1: We're doing pretty good. Uh, you know, given the circumstances, it's definitely been uh, an adjustment to to have people working from home. We've kind of got it set up where we're trying to keep it so there's no more than uh, two or three people at the shop at any given time, um, and just be you know safe and responsible, but try to keep the the ship moving. Uh, so anybody that can work from home is working from home and we're fortunate that a lot of our sewers actually have sewing machines at home so they're able to take work home with them and you know there's obviously certain jobs uh embroidery can't take the embroidery machines home with them so we've got some people here but um yeah we're we're, we're doing okay and and feel very grateful to be to be doing okay
0: i, I guess before we jump into mackenzie too much nick it'd be really good to hear about your journey in golf really and kind of h- how you came into it because you you know you're heading up a You know, really kind of cool niche business in the golf industry. How did that all come to pass? Where did it all start?
1: Sure, yeah. Uh, Well, I grew up here in Portland, uh, and my dad's side of the family is just a big golfing family. My grandpa is a big-time golfer. My dad, big-time golfer. My aunt is actually the golf coach at University of Washington. So, golf's just been a big part of our family. So, I grew up playing junior golf and. Um, then actually played quite a bit of tennis through high school and college, and it was kind of after college that I uh turned to golf and you know got the bug so to speak uh, that we all i 'm sure know about but um yeah, I mean it was sort of uh you know golf 's always been in my family and always always been of interest, but particularly in the last you know five years post college it's it 's been uh at the forefront of of my interests for sure
0: uh, and when did you kind of get involved in? working with mckenzie was uh
1: sure yeah i'll kind of give you that story so uh that was uh almost five years ago uh there's a are you guys familiar with the evans scholarship not it's met. a big caddy scholarship here uh in the united states uh it's actually internationally but it's it uh was started by a guy named chick evans and they they give scholarships to caddies uh, and, uh, they've, there's over like 10,000, uh, kids that have been an alumni that have, have had help from the Evans scholarship. So it's a big, big deal deal here. And, uh, that's how my dad went to college and, uh, McKenzie donates a bag to the Evans auction, uh, every year. And my dad five years ago was at that auction and saw the golf bag. And it's a very long story, but, uh, you know, bought the golf bag and ended up going in to design it and loved the business and was very interested. At that point, he was kind of semi-retired and, um, you know, found, thought it would be kind of a fun venture. And right at that time I was graduating from college. So he sort of, uh, asked me if that was something I might be interested in, uh, assisting him with, uh, which of course I said, absolutely. So, um, that was five years ago and we sort of partnered together and have, uh, now bought the business outright. And, and, uh, have that, yeah, it's been a heck of a journey and just have been working with McKenzie now for five years. So that's kind of how, how it happened, short version.
0: And, and the bags themselves are for, I mean, there's probably a lot of our listeners now kind of scrambling to the website and having a look and checking out the stuff, and there's loads of time for that, but they're really old school. They really represent sure. a real classic Walker style of golf bag. But a lot of the demographic, presumably a lot of your target markets, actually more millennial golfer. Has the brand of McKenzie kind of ebbed and flowed? Like, where did Take us back to the starting point of McKenzie bags. Where did that all, all start to come about yeah. from?
1: Yes, yeah, so it's a very, very cool story. So there's a professional golfer from uh, Portland named Peter Jacobson and uh he's a legend but yeah, yeah he is a legend for sure and uh so him and his brother david uh were playing at the old course uh in st andrews and uh they were assigned a caddy named rick mckenzie uh and they had their big staff bags and rick asked peter and david if it would be all right if he combined their sets into one set and he put it in this little leather pencil bag that resembled kind of what a mckenzie looks like today and excuse me, uh, Peter and David thought that bag was so cool. They were talking with Rick about it and, you know, went through their round. And, uh, by the end of it, Peter was telling Rick, uh, you know, we're going to go back to Portland and we're going to start a golf bag company and we're going to name it after you. And Rick ended up giving them that golf bag and he handed them uh, his business card. And on that business card was the logo that we are using today, the sort of a uh, little barefoot mcbaggins logo that's the little kind of golf valet guy so that was actually on rick's business card um so that was 35 years ago that's sort of the genesis story they came back to portland and you know deconstructed the bag and sort of the the mckenzie was born then in 1985 1986 so and then over the course of the years uh you know it 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 was peter's peter owned the business into the 90s um sold it and it changed hands a few times and um, and now we're the, we're the fourth owners actually. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the, the, like I said, the business changed hand a bunch of times and, you know, never really, I would say thrived, kind of figured out how to be, a a healthy, sustainable business, but we just survived on, I think the quality of the product. I think people saw that and valued that. And that's what kind of allowed it to keep going for so long. Um, but yeah, I guess to get back to your question, I think um, the brand of Mackenzie uh, has a long history. But I think since we got it just in the last few years, there has been a little bit of a shift. I think due in large part to to Instagram and some of the really cool golf brands we've been able to kind of collaborate and partner with. Um, you know, I think there's a bit of a renaissance occurring in in the golf industry right now, and um, we're we're fortunate to kind of have grabbed onto that at a good time and it's helped our business, uh, kind of grow into what it's become, um, as of late, uh, you know, that kind of renaissance, so to speak. And I guess you
2: sort of, um, definitely put a, a modern spin on these things. I mean, not that these things aren't just sort of uh, brown leather anymore, although those are lovely. I mean, but you're getting sort of, you're going into nylons, wax canvas, all the colors you want. They're there.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, that, the business was kind of ripe for that it the silhouette hasn't changed very much you know it's been refined lots of improvements we're always trying to figure out how to make the bag lighter and more comfortable to carry and more durable and always trying to tweak it but the basic silhouette has sort of stayed the same and just the fact that every bag is built to order you know we don't really have uh, a, a selection of inventory for people to choose from we help you design a bag and and then we make it for you and and ship it to you. It's kind of built into what we do to give people these options to sort of curate their own dream golf bag, so to speak. And I think we've just tried to um, lean into that, I guess, over the last few years. And um, it's sort of attracted a, a young, new kind of youthful crowd with respect to you know, like you like you mentioned, Cal the. The, the classic brown leather Mackenzie hasn't gone anywhere, and we still sell plenty of those to speak for. But um, yeah, I think you know we we now kind of have that and the the little bit more uh, crazy stuff you might see with all the different colors and embroidery and bells and whistles.
3: What's the um What's the craziest bag the order you've had? Have you ever had something Ooh. come in and you you just say, "Oh no, I'm not."
1: That. I think I know <laughs> where this might be going. You should- <laughs> well, that's I small um, numbers, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Max is great. That's really cool <laughs> that you guys had him on the podcast. but uh, yeah, I think usually you know sometimes there's a little bit of maybe compromise isn't the right word, but people come to us with these crazy ideas, and part of our job is to kind of help help them. Turn their ideas into something we know we can do and are confident will look cool and serve them well for a long time. So sometimes uh, we can't do exactly what you ask for, but we like to talk you through the process and and end up somewhere that the the customer's happy with and that we're confident's going to be a you know a good looking long lasting golf bag. But I guess one of the cooler ones that comes to mind uh, it was uh, maybe six months ago, maybe a little more than that even. Uh, we had a gentleman that works for NASA uh, reach out to us and uh, wanted to do sort of a bright orange and kind of uh, cobalt blue and gray NASA-themed bag, and he actually had a flag that had been to space um, that we enclosed in the pocket. So this bag was bright orange and had the Remove Before Flight tag on it and the NASA worm logo, and inside the pocket, enclosed, uh, was, uh, was a flag that, that had actually been to space. So that's that one insane. was, that was pretty that's cool. Pretty
2: cool <laughs> that's insane. Wow. I mean, also, I guess, um, on the back of max, we'll see linking in with, uh, with the butt club and the sugarloaf social guys and who, um, I mean, between them, they're coming up with some very, very cool designs. I think the most, probably the most outrageous one I've seen. I didn't know the space story one. That is, that's very cool. But I was just, uh, I'm not sure. I was probably pretty shocked actually. There's Zach Blair's Louis Vuitton.
1: Oh, yeah. Wow, I didn't even think about that. That was outrageous. That was (laughs) was outrageous is a good word. I must admit it was quite unnerving to uh, deconstruct a $2,000 duffel bag uh, in an effort to turn it into a golf bag. It was uncomfortable to say the least but we managed to <laughs> manage to get it done and you know zach is Zach's great and we've done a ton of cool projects with him and it's certainly not lost on me you know what uh what the relationship with him has done to help grow our business he's such an amazing guy and uh, max is too and they've got such a cool thing and cool community of golfers kind of surrounding and supporting the buck club so um yeah that louis Vuitton bag was uh was one for the record books for sure so we've had a couple of people kind of reach out to us with their you know designer uh, uh products wanting to turn them into golf bags as a result of that so we've gotten a little more comfortable with the concept of <laughs> taking those things apart <laughs>
0: unbelievable well, one of the things golfers that aren't really blessed with is the is customization in general because for years and years i think golfers have spent their life buying everything plastered in the manufacturer brand or buying the same polo shirt or sweatshirt with a different club logo on and handing that over to the customer to kind of customize and do it. Talk us through the process around how you kind of customize those bags, how they're made. Everything is kind of completely handmade, right? So uh, how does that all kind of go through from an end to end journey?
1: Sure. So it can kind of vary, you know, from the person that Uh, would like us to do the creative heavy lifting and might say, you know, I I want my name and my logo club logo or whatever on it. And you guys help me design something to the person who's been brewing on getting a McKenzie for six months and has every little detail down to the stitching picked out. Um, So it can, it can vary, but generally, you know, you'll see people kind of looking through the gallery or uh, messing with the builder tool on our website or, you know, scrolling through Instagram until they kind of, get a sense of what they might want their golf bag to look like. And then they'll reach out to us and we'll kind of have a conversation and, um, then we'll put a rendering together for them. So sort of a mock-up of what their golf bag, uh, would look like based on the conversation we've had. And at that point, you know, they can either sign off on it, or if they want to change some things, edit, you know, swap the colors, or maybe they don't like it. and We scrap it and start over with something new. Um, so that process can be quick or quite long, uh, depending on, you know, what the person's thinking and how specific they want to get. And once that's kind of taken care of, and we have a signed off uh, on a design, um, you know, the, the, the bag goes out onto the production floor. So, um, we have uh, a shop here in Portland where we have just an amazingly talented, uh, team of craftsmen and women that, that, uh, you know, put these golf bags together and, you know, it, it, I guess it starts in the back and cut and rolls of canvas or, you know, hides of leather, everything gets cut and skived and folded. And there's a lot that kind of goes into getting the kit, so to speak, prepared. So all the pieces are are ready. And then, you know, the bag would go to embroidery, um, and, and get embroidered and customized where it needs to there. Then it would kind of get in line to get sewn together. Um, then it goes back out into the warehouse and, and gets kind of checked to make sure everything's right and finishing touches zipper pulls and rivets and the divider and then boxed up and shipped out the door so it's uh yeah i mean it's a completely uh you know it's a process we have control over from start to finish from designing the golf bag to making it and sending it out the door it's our team that's uh you know there every every step of the way
2: uh these things are um i mean as i said earlier they're a work of art and um is the craftsmanship quite is it I mean, it's quite hard to find because it's a this is it's a skilled job. And it's something I look at and go, how the hell do you put that together from that?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I can't take anything away from the skills of uh, our craftsmen and women. Um, They're they're truly amazing and really are highly skilled individuals. Um, But that coupled with the fact that we've been doing this for thirty five years, Um, I think, you know, we have we have it down. And a lot of times, you know, when we're hiring someone new, they might not know how to make our golf bag, obviously, but they have some skills and um, we've we can teach them uh, what they need to know uh, through just the, you know, experience of doing this for a long time uh you know we've we've got it pretty pretty well dialed in and it's passed on. <laughs> um yeah definitely uh and you know you you learn we learn from what's going on you know it's not uncommon for us to see you know 25 year old golf bags you know the the guy you know, says, I, I want to get this thing tuned up. And we put, uh, you know, some the new divider, new zippers, you know, take it. They used to put these old metal frames in them and we ditched those and have been using a carbon fiber batten for the last 10 years or so. So we can take that out and replace it, make the bag a little lighter and more comfortable to carry. So we learn from these things, you know, when we see repairs or something, c- customer, you know, says something to us, we're always tinkering and tweaking and Um, You know, refining the golf bag to try and improve it. Um, So, you know, while the bag that's 30 years old might to the untrained eye look identical to the bag that's made today, uh, there are quite a number of little differences when if someone were kind of to walk you through it, you'd be like, "Oh, oh, yeah, okay, I see I see what's going on here. That is quite different, actually. So
0: it's understated but complicated behind the scenes, isn't it? That's so exactly it, eye, It's yeah. it's
1: it's over-engineered, but in a way that is uh, seemingly a, a pretty, you know, one one pocket, one strap. Put your clubs in it, single divider, and go on your merry way. So
0: to a non-golfer that was stealing a bag of clubs, they'd probably take the clubs and not the bag because it just looks like <laughs> it looks yeah, like it's just old school. You just it's, it, it's it, funny it's that. The, sort of thing.
1: One of our employees, uh, Ian Kreitzer, uh, who's great. uh, Unfortunately, his car got broken into a couple of weeks ago and he had his skis in his car and his McKenzie and his golf clubs in his car. And the person that broke in Took his skis and left the golf bag right, right behind. No. So, so he he was bummed, but he was very happy that uh, his golf bag. Jokes uh, on behind. them, right? Yeah, I guess so.
2: <laughs> if it had been the Louis Vuitton bag, Monica.
1: Yeah, that's right. Cal. If it was the Louis Vuitton one. I'm sure they would have looked twice.
3: Um, you mentioned earlier on that you know you started off with the brown leather, and now you've gone into to pretty much everything. What do you think the trend is doing now? What, what's what's becoming most popular in your brand?
1: Uh, I would say the, I mean, it's a pretty, I would say, honestly, it's a pretty even divide from the kind of nylon bags, the wax canvas bags, and the leather bags. I would say if anything, the, the wax canvas seems to be the most popular. It's kind of a nice middle ground. Um, you, you get the kind of character that you get with a leather bag with a wax, uh, when you buy a wax bag, you know, it's going to kind of, crinkle and crease and you know patina a little bit and and get that look that's sort of that you know earned earned look so to speak um but it's a little lighter you know it's really good in wet weather um it's not quite as expensive as a as a full leather golf bag so that's a nice little sweet spot i think that we've tapped into uh, that kind of checks checks a lot of boxes for people
0: and i'm pretty sure i've seen um some wholesale stuff for not wholesale, but like kind of trade pro shop club, club merchandise. I think Glen Eagles, I've seen some bespoke items. You got, that's a big side of the business as well. You find clubs are kind of increasingly come to you for merchandise.
1: Yeah. I think um, in the past, that was kind of one of the big things uh, I focused on um, kind of tweaking a little bit when, when I got involved was in the past, you know, it was a, a very wholesale oriented business using country clubs and pro shops to, to sell product, um, which is kind of, uh, inherently a challenge with the custom nature of our bags, you know, kind of creating this communication triangle between the member and the, the pro and us. And it's, it's, it's a difficult way to kind of, uh, get the most out of what we can do. So I think we've made a sort of, uh, uh a little bit of a shift in trying to, to you know, grow our Instagram presence and use that as a way to communicate directly with our customers and, and kind of sell more directly to our customers. Of course, still doing, if any pro shop or country club wants a golf bag, we're happy to help them out. But I think there's been a a little bit of a shift as far as where we're placing our attention, um, you know, from, from the wholesale side of the business to the, to the direct to consumer. Um, That being said, I think we found that Um, you know, when we focus on that, that, uh, retail side of the business, when, you know, someone at, you know, whatever, whatever country club wants a golf bag, they, they want it because they've seen it on Instagram or they've seen their buddy has one and they walk into the pro shop and then the pro shop reaches out to us and we're happy to assist with that. So we've kind of kept the wholesale business going that way when we've actually placed our attention on the, on the. Uh, direct to consumer side, and it's kind of worked worked well. Um, I think it, it was a it was a a good sort of shift for us. Um, and in, in, in a, has contributed to the sort of growth we've had.
0: And I suppose when there's so much customization built into the into the product and the business model as well, it's kind of kind of goes with the territory, I guess. Rather than hey, that's got and and it's funny, you know. I think over time you're seeing golfers, and it will come on to what we're probably going to talk about next, which is people are increasingly looking to have their own kind of custom customization around the gear and merchandise they buy and not so much just about having something with a club emblem on, because it just tells people that they've been to that club. That seems to be like a sort of a slightly waning trend and, you know, Mm -hmm. having something that's more built around people's kind of own identity seems to be bigger and bigger.
1: Definitely. And I think too, like, you know, you, you change your driver every couple of years, you're always got a different shirt and different hat on the, an overlooked thing is kind of how how steady and essential a golf bag is to someone's sort of kit. That's kind of the consistent thing. Your clubs change, your clothes change. The golf bag is kind of always there, especially if it lasts a long time. Um, and to have that be sort of a canvas for like you said, Sam, to kind of uh, express who they are and what they like and the colors they want and the logos they want. And it's kind of a, you know, it becomes this kind of part of your golfing kit and, um, you start to have a bunch of fun memories with that golf bag. And before you know it, it's, it's extra special to you. And you don't even want to get a new one because that one is has been with you on all your fun adventures. Uh,
0: I think what's quite interesting you talk about it there is that golf's going through a bit of a renaissance in terms of all of this stuff. Uh, you know, it's got a number of different names and, and how, you know, but the the whole influence around some of these new lifestyle brands, you know, a lot of the companies that you'll be aware of yourselves, um, the introduction of new and quirky different courses, obviously places like Pinehurst, Sweetens Co., Banda and Cabot, you know, these are all kind of becoming like the new Mecca in golf. What's driving this kind of massive shift in trend that we're seeing? Because I, I feel like we may be a year or two behind in the UK on this, but we we are starting to see some of this come through in certain certain circles.
1: Yeah, that's you know that's a really good question, and I'm not sure uh, uh, I'm super qualified to give a profound answer to that. But, Neither uh, are we, I but can't... we have a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I I really. You know, I, 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 I couldn't tell you to be completely honest, but I think that for me personally, there's so much, um, for I, I uh, there's so much like, just like rich history and, and cool. There's so much cool stuff that, uh, about golf that kind of got overshadowed for a while or became kind of like not mainstream. You have, you know, all the, the, technology and the the gear and the ball goes farther and you kind of had all these people interested in in all that stuff and the kind of uh architecture and the kind of niche interests of golf were overshadowed for a while and for whatever reason I think um there's a little bit of light being shed on that now um with kind of the places like you mentioned I think Sweeten's Cove is a really awesome example of um, you know, and the, the growth and they've experienced and the kind of new founding members, and it's kind of blowing up. And um, not too long ago, that was just a, a kind of little well kept secret that not everybody knew about. So I think they're for whatever reason, you know, there's just this shift um, to to shedding a little bit of light on the kind of things that probably the, the, the four of us uh, love about golf. And I can't, I can't give you a really uh, educated reason as to why, but I can tell you that I'm really happy it's occurring. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think if you go back maybe 10 years ago, the only way that you could consume golf was through TV and and the advertising they provided you. And then social media sort of comes along and absolutely turbocharges these businesses like yourselves that are really driven the growth in this sort of niche aspect of the industry that perhaps... People just weren't aware existed in the first place. Now you've got a plethora of these sort of companies that have come out of the, out wow, the woodwork that are providing such cool individual products. And I think how how do you think the sort of social media boom in the last sort of ten, five, ten years has affected uh, affected yourself?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a really good point, Tom. I think uh, it's been huge for us. Like it's like I was saying, it's not lost on me. You know what the uh, the the impact that. Um, kind of getting to do stuff with the the sugarloaf social club guys and the buck club and no lane up and you know being able to kind of partner with them and do cool stuff has just been huge for us because it uh it's really helped us grow uh you know our our instagram presence and you know kind of uh i i think helped the kind of younger generation kind of discover the the what we do and um decide for themselves if that's something they kind of like and uh, you know, it's, it's just been massive. I think that, uh, Instagram, uh, has, has turned into our, our, probably our number one kind of selling and communication tool. It's for a brand like ours that, uh, is so visual, you can't really describe a McKenzie to someone to do it justice. You, you really have to see it in person and touch it and feel it. But a close second to that is a, you know, an engaging picture of, of our golf bags. So it's a perfect medium for us to just it's not that complicated. We just take pictures of of what we make uh and and show the the our followers. And you know, we don't really have like a a paid for Instagram campaign or anything like that. We just take pictures of what we do and put it on Instagram and it's been sort of a a healthy organic snowball growth of of followers and it's such a dynamic uh way for us to communicate with people um you know people are are messaging us and asking us questions and we get to reference pictures and send them more pictures and it's 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 a perfect platform for us um to show what we do and also communicate with people who are are interested in what we do
3: and when did the uh when did the penny drop in terms of social media when was it you you know you you said you used to be a big sort of selling to the country clubs and do the the that yeah, sort of thing, well, and then you realize you uh, to the consumer. When, I guess you, I probably. Sort
1: of I mean, I started. I actually started our Instagram. So from zero to what we are now, and that was, you know, three plus years ago. Um, and I think so. Fairly, fairly. Recently. So yeah. It oh, definitely, definitely. It, it's it's you know, up until Instagram, you know, we sort of survived on word of mouth you know uh you, it, that's well we still do to be completely honest that you you, you walk out onto a a t-box and the guy's got a sweet looking mckenzie and you happen to ask him about it he's going to tell you about it and we have such an amazing uh uh loyal kind of family of 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 customers and, and friends that that appreciate what we do and are willing to tell people about it so that that uh over since the beginning has been just such a massive part. Uh, like I said, you know, seeing a McKenzie in person is a different experience than, than seeing a picture of it or, or hearing about it. So that that's been big, but it's definitely been in the last, you know, three plus years, three to maybe four years that um, the Instagram has sort of taken off and, and been uh, a really valuable tool for us.
2: Awesome. And you've um recently gone down the head cover route as well.
1: Yeah, that's right. So we bought that knit head cover business uh, we were chatting about for you. It's, it's such a terribly punny name that we like had to stick with it. It's just like, it's, 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 we're keeping it. We definitely (laughs) debated, but I was like, you know what, it's almost so bad. It's good. So we, uh, we we're sticking with it. And um, so that for us is where we have a lot of, you know, that's more of a wholesale business for us um and being able to kind of weave the mckenzie relationships and 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 whatnot with the country clubs and the kind of new uh knit head cover business that we bought about a year and a half ago has has been great um so you're going to see those uh in in pro shops um and that's kind of the focus uh for for that little arm of of the of the uh brands that we have um Whereas, you know, McKenzie's probably a little more focused on the direct-to-consumer. But.
2: And are they staying um, just knit, or are they going into wax canvas and leather as well on head covers? So
1: we have a whole line of accessories with McKenzie. It sort of, uh, uh, you know, gets overshadowed by the golf bags a little bit. But we have an amazing line of, of leather head covers and uh, valuables, pouches, shoe bags, um, and all that. So uh We have that on the McKenzie side of things, but as for for you as it stands, that's just, just the knit head covers. You're not drifting into the iron cover business
0: anytime soon, then, Nick.
1: Uh, I can't say that we have any plans for that. But uh, are you are you an iron cover guy? Sam? No, I'm no. not talking to three iron cover guys. <laughs> oh. that's, yeah, that's that's no, I, a big I, I <laughs> It's the cardinal yeah, we, sin globally. I think that one. So. I'm happy to hear you say that. That's I your, was going to say one way. One way
2: to ruin a McKenzie, I bet, is seeing one with
1: iron covers. <laughs> yeah, I. I I can't say that i've seen one of those but uh yeah it uh we're, we have no plans for uh <laughs> developing uh iron covers
0: and a ball retriever slot as well something like that
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway, yeah we like have some fun cool
0: and are you getting out you've getting out on the course much? You still play quite a bit of golf or
1: Yeah. Uh we've been super fortunate. The golf has stayed open in the state of Oregon. Um and uh Bandon Dunes actually just uh opened on Monday, uh two days ago. So they reopened uh so I'm actually heading down with my brother and uh, my, our one of our employees, Ian, the guy whose skis got stolen. We're all heading down to uh, we're all heading down to Bandon this weekend, actually, to to get a little bit of nice. golf in. So yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a nice nice reprieve from uh, the quarantine lifestyle. Is getting out on the golf course. So we've we've been taking advantage of that for sure.
0: Is that your place of favor, Bandon, or do you kind of have a local track? Closer to you in Portland or?
1: uh Yeah, I well I play quite a bit in Portland. Uh my my folks are members at a club uh called Waverly out here. And I actually just joined uh Portland Golf Club uh about a month ago. So I'm super excited about that and taking advantage of that. But uh Bandon is absolutely amazing. There I mean, I can't say a bad thing about it. It's, it's spectacular. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. Um, and it's, you know, three and a half hours away from Portland. So we uh every chance we get, uh, we we like to go down there and, and escape for the weekend.
0: I love the three and a half hours to use like a short hop for us. That's like pack a bag, <laughs> you're going for two weeks or so three and a half hours. But,
1: <laughs> well, three yeah, yeah, three and a I mean, I it's not it's not right around the corner, but it's certainly uh Nothing to bat an eye at uh, if you're going to go down there and you know pack in you know three or four rounds in a weekend and, and come back. It's it's well worth the well worth the trip for sure. Have you, have you done the sheep, sheep ranch down there? Have you... So there, uh, I think the official opening is June one. Because they're turning um, into
0: a course, aren't they? It was like this semi hole. sort of
1: communal uh, yeah, so
0: play to multiple green complexes idea, uh, and now they're... right.
1: I and I'm no I'm no expert or or. Bandon uh, Bandon historian. But to my knowledge, it was this cool property north of the Bandon property um, that was owned by a gentleman that had a good relationship with Bandon. And it was sort of like this playground that was like this little secret that if you kind of got in touch with them, you could basically rent the, the sheep ranch for a day and you'd go out there with your eight or 12 buddies and no one else would be out there. There's no tea boxes. You just throw balls down and hit it around to the greens wherever you want and just mess around. It was literally a giant playground, no bunkers, just green complexes, and people would, would go out there and, and hack it around. And then just recently, as you well know, the, the Bandin uh purchased that, that land and has been has developed the new Cork Crenshaw Sheep Ranch golf course. So um I am unbelievably excited to get out there and get a look at it so they i think they're kind of letting a limited amount of, of people out there right now for kind of preview play so we've uh thrown our name into into the the hat but i i i have no idea whether we'll get out there but in the back of my mind i'm really really hoping that we do
0: thanks for the job by the sounds of that
1: uh yeah i don't know about that i think we're we're just like everybody else who wants to play sheep ranch i can imagine they're fielding lots of lots of requests so we have no expectations but if we do get a chance to get out there that would be that would be pretty amazing but if we don't you know we'll we'll settle for three spectacular rounds and around on the preserve and it's it's uh it's not that bad to go up there and, and not play sheep ranch
2: and what's the um what's the go-to bag for yourself are you you a leather a nylon or a wax canvas car
1: uh admittedly i have a small rotation of golf bags that i i i I, I sub in and out but um yeah i honestly i like to mix it up i think uh you know different you know one pocket two pocket eight inch seven inch different materials i've i've kind of uh you know, I gotta, I gotta uh, test the product. I need to have it's my own bit. informed yeah. opinion about each uh, each yeah. combination. So, um, but yeah, right. I, I generally find that I'm content with a Sunday Walker. So our smaller bag, it's the seven inch opening and in one pocket. I honestly will kind of, it, I put a full set in it, and I find myself taking, you know, four or five clubs out pretty often and playing with nine or ten clubs. And, you know, uh, I, I just. I enjoy uh, I enjoy taking less stuff and uh, not taking it too seriously, I guess. And when you go half a set, are you going odds or evens? I, that's a great question. I uh I, I go back and forth. Right now I'm 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 on the odds. I I've found that I, I kind of go like five, seven, nine and maybe a gap wedge and a lob wedge and I'll take a you know Three hybrid and a driver, or something like that. But I I do like to mix it up. It's interesting. I've also found that, like, I kind of shoot like eighty or whatever, whether I have fourteen clubs or nine clubs. It's like I'm it's just a not diminishing that good. Returns, isn't <laughs> <Yeah. right>? You <laughs> could take like, twenty five out with you, wouldn't score any it's lower. That's exactly right. And I honestly, it it kind of takes. I, I don't feel like it's that often that I'm just absolutely like dead to rights in between two clubs where I just like feel like I have no shot. It's kind of, it, most of the time you'd hardly even notice. I think whatever the degree difference is between five, six, seven, eight, nine, it seems arbitrary. You know, why can't it be a little bit bigger? And I don't know, May, I, I don't know, but it works for me. And I enjoy carrying a light bag and, um, Exactly. Yeah, that's fun. It's fun. Exactly. Well,
2: you've been very generous with your time and um thank you
1: yeah, you guys thank you very much i enjoyed uh i enjoyed talking to you and appreciate you having me on and um if you guys ever uh find yourselves on the west coast or anywhere close to striking distance to bandon, I highly suggest you go and definitely give me a, give me a holler if you're ever over in our neck of the woods. we'll
2: give you a shout we'll give max a shout and we'll um, there
1: you go yeah
2: got a bit of uh a bit of sup style going or something like that.
1: <laughs> there you go. Uh, That'll be fun.
0: No, thank you so much, Nick, for coming on. And uh, we think what you guys are doing is really exciting. The products are absolutely awesome, and uh, we just we just hope to see a lot more golfers out in the UK and out on the shores sporting Mackenzie hopefully soon. So um, yeah, massive thank you to for coming on, and uh, hope you get through the pandemic and everything safe and sound.
1: Same to you guys. Thank you very much for the kind words and uh, good health to all of you. And uh, hopefully we'll chat again soon. Thanks, Nick. Watch Thanks for coming on.
0: This.